prepare to qualify. You have entered the Fandom Effect, a podcast filled with anime, video games, comics, MMA, and unlimited ideas. Each week, a new guest will press enter and discuss how they're making their dreams come true with your host, Mark the Bushido Geek, Halberg. It's time to enter the Fandom Effect. Now, please insert 25 cents to continue. You have one playthrough. Better make it count. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Phantom Effect podcast. Uh, unfortunately, Sam is not here this week. She is uh, doing some work, fun stuff. We've talked before. She's going uh, back to school. She's got work. Uh, she's pretty busy. Uh, but don't worry. Uh, I am here. Uh, it's AKA Mark, the Bushido Geek, here as always. But don't worry. I won't entirely talk to myself because I do that enough and people look at me strange. And you guys aren't here for that. You're here to learn about different phantoms, different things. And I got we I'm excited about this one. Um, we, as you guys know, we've been trying to make after the new year more of a focus into deep diving into different fandoms and the reasons behind why people are so passionate about different things and just kind of like these stories and memories that go with different things. And uh, luckily, I got an email um, from someone and was able to connect with our guest this week. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll have already been like you know, we can see them. Uh, but in uh, Jenny, I should have asked you before, is it uh, Steven or Steven? It's Steven, yeah. Steven, okay. No. Okay, so I was, okay, good. I got it right the first time, so you guys can't laugh at me and yell and say funny things and make fun of me, because I had it right the first guess. Uh, but <laughs> but Jenny, I, uh, I appreciate you taking time to come on today. Um, and before I give you, you know, my attempt at an introduction with the laundry list of things that you've been doing uh, your whole career, uh, I hope, how have you been doing today? How's everything going? I'm doing great. End of the week. I, I'm excited. It's gorgeous. I'm in San Diego. So we'll be hitting the beach in about an hour. Oh, very fun. I am a little jealous because I mean, the weather is good today, but um, not any beach nearby in yeah. Wisconsin. Not, you know, not, not be, I mean, it's, you know, beach in quotation marks, not, right. you know, beach as in like, oh, here's lake. the ocean. You got lakes. Yeah. Lakes. Yeah. It was better when I was in Michigan and could be like, yeah they're all ours now i just feel like you're I'm borrowing just, them you're borrowing the lake <laughs> for my for different purposes now um, so true. uh but the reason why uh we we have you on the show today is because you have been doing from consulting to i got so many different things uh <laughs> like writing marketing digital work like in the world of fandoms and i know people listening are gonna be like i like what does that mean like world of fandoms yeah, I but i mean like i keep it generalized because you have worked on so many different fandoms uh we've talked kind of before the show and i, I won't say too much because i don't know what i am not allowed to repeat on based on some things um but you've worked on like i mean just reading off of what stuff here like star wars james bond predator stargate alien um we the weedenverse different tv franchises i mean like it, it's a obviously like if a very long list um we talked about it before that how many like how much def- time you've put into it how did like I get I guess like with the consultant work and like kind of the year foray into this like realm of fandoms when it comes to like actually helping people with things like how did that side of things kind of start? It, I I've been lucky. Um, I started in production in TV and film production, 
And really early on in digital, I fell into it. It was a lot of curiosity. We talked a little bit about this before, that if you're curious and you ask questions and you want to know about what somebody's doing, that's how I fell into digital because I'm old. So when I started in TV production, there was no digital. And I just stumbled into it and it was what I wanted to do. I knew instantly it was what I wanted to be working in. So I worked on the digital content production side for a long time in agency work on studio side. So what we call client or agency side and production companies. And so banking all of that work and you treat it like you do any production job. You start at the bottom and you work your way up. And that's what I did. So by the time I got to when I was old enough, which was in my early 30s, that I knew I wanted to start honing in on what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to produce content digitally. And I dabbled in all of the different things. So I knew the different jobs. And I landed a job at Fox. And at that time, which was 2001, nobody gave a, you know what, about size <laughs> Yeah. I know, but still, it's in the back of my head as a mom. It's like, oh, there's right. <laughs> no, I feel it. I swear, I was born a sailor, so I try to be really careful about it. Um, there, nobody wanted to do sci-fi geek properties back then. So, and actually, this was in the late '90s as well. And I was a born geek. I love it. I was raised in it. My mom and dad were geeks, so I really got to play in the geek universe and comics and superheroes and you know all the weird universes that I would watch in Saturday morning cartoons and nobody wanted those projects. And in digital content and marketing, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted because basically they gave you a buck 99 and a cup of coffee. And that day you got no budgets. So they didn't care if I said, Oh my gosh, you mean nobody's paying attention to aliens and we have new movies coming out or predators was coming out or the 3d and nobody wants to do the digital marketing and content for this. Okay. I'll do it. And that's how I started. And I was already a fan of all of these jobs. So probably one of the first two that got me elevated were Buffy and X-Files. No, first of all, nobody understood why the shows were popular. I was a fan of both shows. I wanted to work on them. And I came in at the end of X-Files and right in the middle of Buffy. And I got to work on those. And and essentially, as I'm doing digital content and production on these, and I'm a fan, your automatic job as a marketer is to say, how do you reach the fans of this product? Whether it's a consumer packaged good, if it's a board game, if it's a video game, or if it's a film and television series, you're looking for your audience. And as a fan, I was thinking, why aren't we doing some really obvious things like interviewing Chris Carter? Because all of these stupid PR interviews are fluff, right. are fluff pieces. Yeah. And fans really want to know the harder questions. And it took me a long time to get studios to understand that the fluff pieces weren't enough. I would get a lot of, well, we already did this. We already got that content. Why don't you just use that? And yeah. what I was trying to tell them was, A, these are things that you're putting on entertainment tonight. Right. Not not what we want to put in a forum or to a particular fan group or in that time chat groups, you know, would be just text for a long time. And nobody was getting that at all. And so the people who got it were the DVD featurette people because they were the ones who actually were creating 
in-depth behind the scenes content. So I went to them and I just said, can I use your content? And they said, sure. And then we started to combine budgets. And so then I would be on set and get to actually pick the content that I wanted to create for fans that they would like. And that's, and that is literally how I got started. Then it snowballed because that once you raise your hand and say, Hey, I'll handle it. <laughs> yeah. Start saying, cool. You know what? Thank God. Cause nobody, Jen wanted to do aliens. Can you do that too? And then the one that just blew me away was that nobody wanted to do star Wars. And which, I don't yeah, know. which you would think is like, even like when people didn't like when it was as not as like popular, it was still cool. massively well, and so, yeah, I came, and I came on board in my career to Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is one of the first films I saw as a kid that I, that I was, I was in. That was it. Right. Was and A New Hope. And so the prequels were when I started to come in from a career standpoint and Lucasfilm got it. And so they, Fox just kind of shoved me at Lucasfilm and said, just work with them. They understand your language. We don't get it. So, <laughs> so it was cool. I mean, I, I didn't care. It was great. And I had a lot of freedom for a long time. And I give a lot of credit to Fox because Fox Entertainment, because they were willing to just say, hey, she gets it. Delegate it. Go. Have a good time. Do whatever right. you can do. Here's the budget. And for a long time, we had incredibly small budgets. Um, but I also had, we had a really small team at Fox and then subsequently at Sony and MGM when I was working with these guys who got it, who understood fans. And yeah. that was a lot to do with our age group. So I'm oldest Gen X and in charge at the studio started to be more people who were my age at that time. And that meant they started to understand if I was approaching them about a geek property, a sci-fi property, superhero, a comic book, video games, they understood. Because either they were geek themselves or they had friends who were geeks. It was, whether it was D&D, whatever it was, yeah. people that were my age in charge were starting to get it. Okay. So there's, again... We, I, we kind of hinted at it before we started recording that there's probably like 50 different avenues at any time that we could like massively jump into. Yeah. So I yeah. have like so many different ways that my brain's like <laughs> potentially thinking about. Uh, sure. But I think an interesting one to like dive into something like in particular is like we've obviously seen in the last, you know, like even, you know, even in my own lifetime, like when I was first growing up, anime was not a widely accepted popular thing to yeah. uh, be watching. And, you know, now I it's like huge it's yeah. massive uh, it's massive yeah. so i i've grown up seeing that shift but what to you has been like the biggest thing that you've seen is like being the shift in from kind oh, of like people not really understanding it to just books. acceptance yeah. of comic mm -hmm. books unequivocally in my generation i start my career in production i start my career in digital production it morphs into digital content production and marketing and up until 2004 because it was that demarcation. 2004 was when people I worked with finally started to understand why I was such a huge geek for comic books, for superheroes, for that entire universe. Whether And I'm both DC and Marvel. And it they just had not gotten it. Because my office would be chock-a-block of comic books with everything else that I was interested in. Right. And they could kind of get, they kind of started to get it with Buffy because we switched to Dark Horse after Buffy, we ended Buffy. Right. 
And we ran, I think still running now, but we ran what we called seasons for another four seasons with Dark Horse. And so, and then after that, it was just different paths, different stories. And so some of them got it, but the, ironically, the ones who got it the best were consumer products folks that I worked with at Fox because the publishing guys at consumer products were huge geeks themselves. They read comic books, they got it. But prior to the shift of Marvel, I mean, everybody recognized the Christopher Reeve movies, but they didn't recognize it as an open opportunity to blow open an entire universe, transmedia, transmedia universe, that you should be tying these all together, that it doesn't have to be just films, just comic books. Yeah, like standalone, yeah. And that digital can tie all of this together, especially digital fandoms. And I honestly cannot tell you how excited I still get and how giddy I still get going to a movie that's a comic book adaptation. I don't take it for granted, even if I don't think it's the greatest adaptation. Right, or the <laughs> right yeah. Movie, There's definitely some misses. But... There's some misses. I don't care. I, I don't take it for granted. I find that anything that we have that's a series, uh, the fact that we're getting Secret Invasion, which is one of my all-time favorite runs and that we're going to get secret wars even if they don't even do it the way i pictured it in my head i don't care i think it's amazing and i don't take it for granted that i got to work on a bunch of these yeah which is amazing yeah that these two things merged in my life if i repeat it to you i can see how organically i got there and i can see the choices that i made along the way that got me where i am here but mostly i just feel lucky I got to be right. honest, I just feel lucky. Yeah, which which I, which I think is a good attitude to have, because I think we've talked about it in different ways in the show before, but it's the keeping you humbly motivated kind of mentality. Oh, of, man. Uh, yeah, you don't want to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I got it. Right, yeah, exactly. Cause, <laughs> Not in this business. Whew, any time I ever thought that got shut down real quick, so I have oh, learned my God. that. I mean, <laughs> I, okay, so tangent, sorry. And you yeah, no, no, please, go by all means. <laughs> To that point, and I am sure that if anybody ever hears this, I'll be fired, but the Taylor Sheridan article in The Hollywood Reporter today, yesterday. Oh, okay. Where he talks about his Yellowstone empire and how he doesn't see how the WGA strike affects him. Uh, It It is a textbook hubris article where you just go... Oh, dude, I really yeah. think I think Maybe you're talented. <laughs> I think you got it going on. I think this was a really bad choice. Timing, number one. And number two, you're riding a high right now, but damn, don't you know this industry? Two years from now, you could be out of a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things he's just alienated an entire group of people at WGA West. But sure. You yeah, you know, you you say what made you happy, I guess, but we'll <laughs> We'll see how uh, all that works out. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't think it will, but who knows? Uh, yeah, no, I somehow, I, I'm sure there'll be some, if anything, fans have reached a point where pushback has reached fever pitches these days. I mean, you can look at like the Sonic, uh, the Sonic, oh, the yeah. original Sonic look. Yep. Um, and like the, all the crazy stuff that happened. Oh, the fervor over uh, that was insane. Yeah, it, it was like instantaneously, almost overnight, there was yeah. just this massive outrage of... And it still uh, makes a billion dollars. Doesn't matter that there was right. all this pushback. I mean, the two combined. And I... Right. That's a great example of fans getting their say 
fans being heard. And yet yeah. the movie still made the money. And so I'm not sure that the execs really heard it enough, except if you look at some of the changes that were made for Super Mario Brothers movie, maybe, maybe they heard. I'm not yeah. sure. Nintendo is a very different beast when it comes to like their like oh, properties. Yeah. It, yeah. There, there's been a lot of stuff recently. There's like a, a big YouTuber they just went after, uh, like got his channel to the brink of cancellation oh, because yeah. they were just mad at the modding that he was doing on games and yeah. releasing his videos. I mean, Nintendo was the whole reason that ROMs aren't really as yep. big as a thing anymore. I mean, like on cell phones, they are. But like people used but, to be huge on like Rob's computer, and then until Nintendo yeah. one day decided we're going after the top websites. Right. There was that article recently with ironically the guy named Bowser yeah. uh, that will be paying Nintendo yeah. uh, for the rest of his life yep. uh, for doing the like Switch mods and stuff yeah. uh, and selling it. And, and it doesn't. And, uh, and again, those are really interesting examples of aligning with or alienating fans. And yeah. It's Nintendo is weird. So I worked for Nintendo early days when I was doing just video game, digital content and digital marketing. Okay. And they were amazing. They were between, cause I worked for Skia, I worked for Sony, Ubisoft, Nintendo and Midway games. And okay. of those four, Nintendo was the best. They were the ones that gave me the most freedom and leeway to do a lot with their games um, for digital content. And this was right. early days, but I, it was really fascinating to me how that shifted and changed and i got out of it when it started to shift and change to a really hardcore corporate culture where right. everything that we were doing had to be run through five ten then 20 steps of approval on the ladder and yeah. it, it started to lose that creativity for me doesn't yeah. change necessarily some of the fun i have with some of their games but i'm not necessarily sure that that's them as opposed right. to the game production companies that they hire it, it's right i i don't see the creativity at the nintendo corporate culture level that i did in the two th early 2000s yeah i i we didn't we did in a, a previous episode and we've i've had a lot of friends that want to talk about like the whole like nintendo and game freak and yeah all the stuff like that happens with there and it's just you know it, again the world is very right yeah exactly yeah. um but you did bring up something earlier that i, I want to like for people listening want to touch base on because you were talking about like and we've mentioned it a lot of times on this show about just being happy with studios taking a shot at different things and mm. um like the D, D movie like i didn't care i was gonna pay to see it regardless yeah. i was hoping it was gonna be good i really enjoyed it uh, I've, I've been playing D D for 20 years at this point yeah um which that just made me die a little inside <laughs> um <laughs> but so fun, dude i i yeah. won't tell you how long i've been playing because well i could tell you because then you'd feel a lot better that's true. You could you could make me feel better, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I know I love playing Dean. So like I I had, had talks with friends that were like, I hope it's not like I'm like I am just glad that after like 20 years that a studio is taking another shot at a major D and D picture because of how right. bad the last one was received oh, and everything that happened after it. Like it's been we've had almost like, you know 20 years for a studio was yeah. to take a shot at things and they reached the point they were like you know what why not. Let's take a shot. And I feel like yeah. they did a good job. 
I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. It was fun. I yeah, mean, and uh, like Marvel, is, like yeah, you mentioned the stuff with Marvel that they're doing, which uh, I I can't remember if it was a movie or TV show, but I know they're doing something with Black Knight. Yeah. Um, I've always been more of like I, it's really weird. I like Marvel with some stuff. I tend to read more DC comics, mm-hmm. uh, in general because I just I I like the lore of a lot of that stuff with yeah. their multiverse. Yeah, sure. Um, but I do, but I but I've like because of some of the stuff Marvel's been doing, I've been like, all right, you know, like I want to start getting into some of the Marvel superheroes, you know, like Shang-Chi would be really cool. Cause like I yeah. did a lot of that stuff for a long time. It'd be cool to read that kind of comic black right. Knight. I love medieval history and yeah, medieval culture. Black and black Knight's a great story. Yeah. So I just like, I've been reading a lot of the books that have come out with black Knight. Like I just read yeah. the recent one from 2022 or 21. Oh, I haven't um, read that one yet. I've got, I've literally got a to be read that is a shelf. Oh, long. yeah, mine is very long. Uh, but it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed the Black Knight one. Um, yeah. And so I'm generally excited for them to do something with like that. And then my favorite superhero of all time is Booster Gold. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, that announcement must yep. have. I flipped out. I I yeah. was like, we did a show on it, and I was like, I told my co-host, we were talking about all the stuff that DC announced for like their part one. And then we, I saved it for last. I was like, all right, now for 20 minutes of me ranting about Booster Gold. Uh, and I just went on this like giant 20 minute tangent talk about uh, how, how I don't care what they do. I'm just so excited to see this because they've teased Booster Gold in so many different ways yeah. for the last 10 yeah. years. Like he had that really hated performance in Smallville, which I, oh, yeah. I was oh, so man. angry it with. Was so and, lame. It yeah, really and was. then James Gunn was like, oh, or not James Gunn, um, DC was like, hey, he might show up in Legends of Tomorrow because right. in the right. comic books, you know, Rip Hunter is his dad. Well, they, they actually hired somebody yeah, in, it, for Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. And I thought, how, I mean, he couldn't be a more perfect character for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, literally the hero you've it's never so, heard of. is. But, you know, that's when the, the writer's room shifted on Legends of Tomorrow. So that's when yeah. you... You know, you, unfortunately, some of those got left yeah. behind. It's too bad because that. Was yeah, I, yeah, I was so disappointed because I was like, "Oh, I was like, this is so perfect." Rip Hunters is dad. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. there's so many, so many cool things you could do. Right. And then they were like, scrapped it. And then I was like, "All right." And then they're like, "We're gonna do a Blue Beetle movie." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, yeah, right. If they go, if they go, James Corn, like they could do the Blue Beater Booster Gold thing because right. they, right. they had teased they were gonna do like a comedy buddy comedy superhero movie with the two of them. Yeah. And then didn't hear anything for a while and then dc was like nope solo blue beetle movie and we're going new blue beetle not old blue beetle anymore yeah and it was like all right well i mean and i'm, and I'm looking for right, the blue cool. beetle, but i actually really wanted the buddy comedy blue beetle yeah that, yeah really I, their recent comic run that dc yeah. just did it's like the yep. eight issue of them it was yep. fantastic it was great it was i loved yep. it um but yeah so when they announced they were like finally james gunn was like nope we're doing booster gold yeah. tv show i was yeah. like thank God, I know. I was, I'm so I excited. I was like, I don't even I care how much better. Even, I mean, I really wanted that buddy comment. It would have been hilarious. I was excited, but I'm thinking now that maybe his character is better suited not to the one-off movie. Although they could have played off each other and people would have gotten it. His character arcs are better suited to a TV series or to right. a limited series. So I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you got a good. You have a good point. I think it's one of those things um, where, like you said, I think because of who he is as a hero, I think a TV show is a better introduction. Which yeah. I feel like studios, I, like DC and Marvel, are there's a lot. I think we're seeing a lot more TV shows because 
it's an easier format to introduce yeah. certain people to than well, hey here's this two-hour movie especially comics because yeah. you think of the number of arcs that are written now and the way the arcs are written and the way the books and volumes are written they just lend themselves to a script break and script breakdown really really easily and so right. depending upon how they're written yeah. um you know if we're talking about saga that's a little harder but if we're talking about right. Blue Beetle or uh, Booster Gold or Secret Invasion. Secret yeah. Invasion, I thought they were going to do as a movie. It's so much better in my head as a series because those beats fit that kind of series that right. you have to put certain beats at a break and the whole bit. So I love, I love the shift that we've seen also from movies, which is where Marvel yeah. started, obviously and really ramped up everybody. And DC, certainly with the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, right. got everybody into it as well. I love the shift to transmedia. That we've got lots of different options to access our favorite heroes and heroines the way we want to read them, the way yeah. we want to watch them. And I think the misnomer that I get the most upset and just cranky about right now is as if we have to like all of them for it to succeed. So, so the flash didn't make its box office. There's a lot right. of reasons why that happened. Yeah. But, but it, I mean, honest to God, if Hollywood reporter and deadline what, do one more headline of, is this the end of dot, dot, dot. And it's yeah. a, it's clickbait bullshit. Oh but yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's also, I think, from as a geek who this is my business, right. I find it frustrating that we constantly have to do this. As a woman, it is something I have heard every step of my life. You have right. a rom-com, you know, cycle, right? Or you have women-directed movies as a cycle, or you know, God forbid, a woman-led movie cycle. And every time one of those things bombs, the headline is, is the day of the women over? Every single time. And this is the same idea of, so there are a couple that did, you know, from Eternals to now, there are a couple that were very, very yeah. disappointing. So what? Are you telling me that because Independence Day 2 was not as successful as it was supposed to be, that you're never going to do another Alien movie? Because I'm pretty sure that's not true. Or right. I don't know the bazillion failure drama movies that have been out there that, that just... Unfortunately, yeah. we're clunkers. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to stop making dramatic movies. So right. I, it, that is a fight I have constantly internally at studios. Is there's even to people my age who are geeks because they want to keep their job. We constantly are still on this precipice of is that it? Is a is it a bubble? I mean, I, I just heard this title, this lead that they're going to run with tomorrow on one of the, the, um, one of their trades. And one of my friends who writes for his own trade was so upset because he said, we have to stop pretending that comic book geek movies properties are some sort of flash in the pan or that there's a bubble or that there's a start and end to it. It is a genre like every other, like drama, like comedy, like rom-coms. And it's going to go through cycles. We're yeah. going to have times, or hey, maybe it's not a good movie, and that's it. It's not a bubble. It's not anything. Right. It just was not the right time, or it's not a good movie. Yeah. 
So yeah, and it, yeah. We we have a weird. There's a weird obsession with trying to still treat it as like the early days where video games is just a fad and it's all gonna right. blow over. Right. It's yeah. It's a lot of people are like still stuck in that mentality of like. And again, a lot of it, like you said, is clickbait of just oh well. N- nerds a lot of nerds will click on it because they'll think that we know something yeah. that they don't and we'll get our little you know uptick and clicks right. or, or views or whatever and then you right. get to the end of it and you're like this is just them being like you know who knows you know like you could just be the flash of the fan yeah and it's, it's, it's or or it's a redundant quote from something that was said at ces six months ago yeah. so it's, it is it's frustrating and it's also frustrating that the meetings that I have are very cyclical in that way where I, I had a meeting and I've repeated this a couple of times. I had a meeting with a friend at WB after a particular successful fan event where I said, wow, this is great. I'm so excited. Let's talk about how I can work with you guys to sustain, maintain, extend that fandom. And they just kind of laughed and said, well, Jenny, we don't need to do that because obviously we had 60, 65 million views. Uh, We don't need to do anything. All we need to do is say, hey, this is what we're producing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're creating. Look at what just happened with just the announcement with James Gunn. Obviously, we don't need to do a lot. It's obvious that he himself is going to steer that boat. And I said, well, sure, for that top tier that'll come back no matter what but right don't you want to keep building don't you want to reach the fans that maybe are on the fence you always should be looking for a way to build those relationships literally says to me (laughs) chen you know the cliche if we build it they will come what (laughs) what and a i can't believe you're quoting field of dreams to me for something that has to do completely different right yeah And I know you're laughing. I know you're being sarcastic. I know you think you're being funny, but you're obviously making decisions with that kind of thinking. And my whole job is to show you why you need to sustain a relationship and spend the time with fans because they're searching constantly for content that has meaning, that has depth to it, that has, you know, that they can chew on, frankly. And yeah. if you just think that that super cool announcement is all you need to do to keep the fans going, then you're just a PR firm. That's all you're. Right. That's all you are. And that's not what I'm here for. So I don't think I can do anything for you. But also, I think you're really missing the boat. And yeah. I don't. I don't think that that's their problem. I don't think that's WB's problem. I mean, all joking about there being a curse aside. Right. I think the problem, unfortunately, is to a large degree top down where you do have people making decisions, not James Gunn. I I trust him. I think he's good. But if he's restricted, that'll be a problem. That'll be the best whispering. (laughs) He's like telling me things. As a mom who's been there, totally love that. It's the they think that they're super secret. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't think you know how microphones work. But. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the stage whisper version. Hi. Yeah. Ooh, that was good. Um, I think that the top down, unfortunately, is, is still a huge motivating factor. Yeah. 
So you've got, you had Chapek at Disney, Zasloff at WB, and their entire focus is on the bottom line, not the creative sensibility of how to keep those fans engaged. Right. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. And so, I, again, I, I love jumping around. Because um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, <laughs> we, we basically do a lot of consulting. Um, like the like these days, as like as stuff comes up, like how do you like where do you kind of see yourself like when you try to pick up like a like a new client to work with? Like, do you try to stick to certain fandoms, or is it kind of like when someone reaches out, do you kind of look at the work? Like, kind of, what's that process it, like? For it, you? It, it used to be that I would do a broad spectrum of fandoms um, and dabbled in sports fandoms for a while and the whole bit. But now, for my work, what I do is I focus on sci-fi, fantasy, geek properties only, and okay. with. And within that, I will work in any media. So I've got two authors that I'm working with right now. Um, I'm trying to work on a, an existing sci-fi property. And then I've got um, two older contracts with TV series that will hopefully come back. So I don't care as long as it's within the sci-fi fantasy geek world. Okay. That makes sense. Is, is there like a... Uh, I always like phrasing as like a like a dream fandom that you haven't gotten a chance to work with that that if it opened up would be like oh I'm I'm doing this I'm, honestly Marvel I've come close to Marvel so many times where I've been up for a consultancy to help with something and it hasn't come through so Marvel is my absolute dream because okay. honestly I've kind of gotten to work on everything else that I absolutely adore that has been but there's no I, I you know what no I take that back Marvel's still my dream but there are new properties that I would love to work on those IP franchises I mean I would have loved to have worked on the expanse um, oh, I had yeah. an opportunity to work on that and the contract fell through because it was COVID. I would have loved to work on that fandom with that fandom. Um, there are shows that Joe Malazzi and Brad Wright are working on that I would love to get involved with. I just think that there are a lot of new properties and new sci-fi that I'm really into that I'm keeping an eye on. And those IPs would be a blast. Okay. Yeah, is there, there's, yeah, and there's so many, that's the great thing is there's just so much out there uh, yeah. that is, has potential with it. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of like everyone, like an idea of like what you do with someone, like um, sure. when you do bring an, on a new client, whether it's like, obviously I, I know like authors and TV shows have different, you know, right. mediums and different ways that you're going to get things done. So I know it's hard to kind of like go a step-by-step process, but what kind of is like a general, I take them out as a client and then we do this kind of kind of sure it does find uh, a pretty standard consistent process so i do what's called discovery and assessment with them first which would be true for any content production that you do with somebody is that you do an assessment of what has already been done where they are to date if they're a brand new franchise which one of the authors i'm working on i'm getting to work from scratch with them then it's a discovery what was their process? What was the story? What was the concept? How did they come to it? And that's that discovery and assessment is a lot of fun because that's where you get to hear where the screenwriters or the director or the author, where their, where their minds are, where they're at. Why did they come to this? Why are they doing it? Their why. Right. So I need to get that. Then the, the next part of the assessment is what has been their digital outreach and there's about eight pieces of a fandom pie that you have to look at. So where are the fans? Where are fandoms in general? And it's standard, you know, it's social media, but you've also got, I separate social from content streamers like Twitch and YouTube. 
And then right. you've got um, you've got events, PR, paid media, blah blah blah. So there's about eight different what you could call destinations that you would find fandoms living in. And those are where I start to do an assessment of for this particular IP, what kind of recognition is there? What kind of analysis can I do for that? And then the next step after that is, okay, cool. How do we reach your fandom? Who's already engaged? How are we going to grow your fandom? And who are your target audiences that we want to grow to? So for example, one of the people I'm working with right now, they have a really, really strong base fandom, but they haven't grown past that at all. So we okay. start to look at, is there gamer audience, general sci-fi audience? It, what other audiences should I be going after? And so right. we'll be we'll be at cons and we're going to reach out to them digitally. And you start doing all of that work. And then the last part of that is essentially making sure that that, that brand awareness is a brand recognition. And the very last step, which is the really important one, is sustaining that relationship with your fans. So how are you going to do that? You have to make sure that the fans trust you and you can't be me. It's got to be right. the brand, the IP, right. the author, the director, the writer, whoever it is that is the front facing of it. And how are you going to sustain it? So I give roadmaps to them on how to sustain it. Sometimes they hire me to, to keep that maintenance and to make sure that time is spent. So I hire community managers to make sure that that community is sustained. Um, that step is the one that I'm having the hardest time having IP holders continue. The In the entertainment industry and in the publishing industry, there is what's called a standard campaign window of anywhere between, say, three to six months to six weeks. And then there's about three weeks after whatever the launch is, movie, book, whatever it is. Right. That, we, we need to get out of this windowing concept because fans don't Okay, I'm having so much fun. Literally, I'm waiting for him yeah, to do the standard walk down the stairs yeah. joke. It's, it's yeah. like his own show in the background. It's yeah. the best. I love it. Um, the windowing concept of campaigns doesn't work for fandom at all because it goes right off a cliff. You can, you right. lose, you, you're not, they're not spending any money. They're not sending any content. And... IP holders don't seem to understand that there is sustainable content that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg that fans would love to have. And it can sustain you between what we call the bridge between the different primary pieces of content you're going to send out, whether it's a movie, a series, a next book. Right. You bridge, you have to bridge those periods of time. And okay. you got to do that. And so that's, that's what I do. Okay. I, I like that. It's like the, like it's the everything behind the scenes that no one ever really like, thinks about and like how it gets done they're just kind of like they see it and like love the concept right. of, like but that that's again that's There's why we work behind it i mean i have right. to say it, i'm at i'm at the point now in my consultancy where i don't have to do this but i was working 80 hours a week up through 2019 and the one thing that was pretty good about COVID was it made me realize, oh, right, okay, I don't have to do this to, to make this work. Right. And part of that 80 hours a week is not just in the practicality of making sure that an event or a campaign or a piece of production happens or content. It's you're pounding the pavement with the IP owners constantly. You're, you're talking to them. And then you're pounding the pavement with the fandoms because you want them to trust you. And a lot of right. times I am the face to go talk to the fandoms first. 
hey, I've got this brand new IP or, hey, I know you've had a really bad experience in the past with this. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it, it is a lot of diplomacy. Yeah. And if we've seen anything in the last like five, 10 years is that people are depending on the fran depending on the fandom, but like people are more willing to just be like, I'm done and yeah. I'm not coming back until I see like something that is different or interesting or yeah. uh, unique and creative. Like, and I think, you know, we, because we live in that digital era now, it's just, unless you're doing something different, yeah. if you're just kind of, churning out the same 10 things every year. eh, And that's where the studios and the IP owners really take fandom for granted because a lot, again, a lot of those conversations I have are convincing those clients that no, just because it worked five years ago, you don't keep giving that same content over or even that it worked three months ago. You don't just give that same content again. And and, and I try to liken it for them. Authors are a lot easier to convince because they're a lot closer to their readers because right. most authors are hitting the beat, hitting the cons, hitting the read and fairs, the book fairs. So they know what it takes to really convince. And it can't just be the same content that they're putting in their books every time. So right. they're a lot more savvy just because they hear directly from their readers if it came across like it was a templated version. Like A to B, that third book ugh, was the same as the second book. They hear instantly about that. For right. a lot of studios and department heads and division, you know, they they don't have that interaction. So they're not they're not reading a lot of the social feedback. They're not reading. They're not paying attention to it. They have a research department, a PR department, a digital social department. That's their job. So right. these guys aren't necessarily, these women and men are not necessarily keyed into unless they're interested in something. If it's IP that they're into, then yes, they're absolutely, right. they'll be 100% understanding of what I'm trying to describe to them. But I think the hardest part is convincing people you can't just churn content at fans because right. those fans will say, I'm done. And they have yeah. every right to say that. It's we might get frustrated at trolls or people are trigger happy about it and yeah. to it. But the fact is, is that a fan has every right to say, Hey, I gave you a lot of chances and you're still churning the same stuff out to me and you're still giving me platitudes and you're still saying the same thing over and over again and nothing happens. If you were just transparent and honest with me, people are getting frustrated that James Gunn is on Twitter. I, I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to who just want him to muzzle and stop. And I keep telling them, okay, no, he obviously gets some energy back from this. It works for him. Right. And secondly, while sometimes he's misstepped, the transparency that he's giving makes fans trust him. Yeah, so, ex- exactly. It's building it's, that base of like, Hey, you know what? At least something will, he'll be honest about it. Like, he's being, he's talking to us about it. Right. Yeah. And, it, and the thing that, that I realize a lot of studio heads can't do, you can't come out and say, okay, so here's the deal. We, we made $7 billion during COVID, but in comparison, we lost $2 billion post COVID. So here's right. why we have to do, I mean, they should, that's what they should come out and say. 
because the, the arguments that are happening right now about how do these billionaire companies come to us and lay off all these people that they're laying off this year and tell us that they can't give us new content, but they can go hire this, you know, and they can go do this event and they can go do right. this, go spend all this money. And if they would just be honest, which Iger is, for instance, Iger on yeah. his most recent um, stakeholders call was pretty brutally honest. It didn't say a lot of things I wanted to hear about what was going to happen for fandom and what was going to happen for right. digital content. <laughs> yeah. But at least I know where it is. I know that if I want to go pitch over there, there's only going to be some very narrow avenues for me. Cool. Better than wasting my time. Right. Yeah. And for fans, better than Chapek's song and dance that nobody knew what was really happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's the, sometimes it's like, you don't want to hear it, but the honest transparency is better than just like the, the fake open door policy of oh like say, pitch anything you right. want or say anything you want. And then you do. Right. And it's like, no, we actually don't do, we only, we only do a and B and yeah. you're pitching us like F and you're like, all right, well you said to talk to me about. And what a waste F. of time. Right. And for fans who, who really, especially now really are giving of their time to something. Right. Yeah. And time is precious for all of us. We've all got some manner of job life, family and that combination doesn't leave a lot of luxury time to spend on those things that we're fans of and if you spend time on something that you were kind of sold a bill of goods about that is beyond frustrating and i i give fans a lot of leeway before i start to say okay we're into toxic territory now we gotta gotta pull back right toxicity is not criticism negativity about something you don't like is not necessarily toxic it's i didn't like it okay you're allowed to not like it and why didn't you like it and maybe the studio should be listening to that it isn't it isn't what always happens like i said a lot of my job is that exact conversation (laughs) it's a lot of negotiation and diplomacy right yeah exactly and i i think um like with studios and other things, I think the The Witcher is a pretty relevant, oh, recent yeah. example of, yeah. uh, and again, kind of like the James Gunner and Henry Cavall has always been a very honest actor when it comes yeah. to like projects he he's working on, why he's working on them. Like at this point, yeah. everyone knows how much of an actual. At this point, we we've we reached a point where people can tell if a actor is trying to pretend that they are right. interested in the thing that right. they're part of, like. Or if they're legitimately a fan of something. Yeah. Henry Cavall is beyond showing people that, like, (laughs) the dude is an uber nerd in every stretch of the imagination. I I mean, come Um, on. Like, I I just saw some... I love every bit of Warhammer, his Warhammer figures. Yeah. I mean, I was in love. That was just like, oh my God. Yeah. But but it's created that culture around him of people will see pretty much anything he's involved in. Yeah even if it's not a nerdy, you know, entity because yeah. of the fact that he's built up this trust of like, you know what, we'll give you, I'll see anything you're in because I like yeah. you as an actor and I'm a nerd, you're a nerd. I'll give yeah. you my money because if it helps you out, why not? But I think the Witcher is a good example of, he very publicly said he left the show because the writers of the show hated the source material and yeah. he didn't understand it. And he kept pushing for them to do source yeah. material. And yeah. uh, like, I think I just saw something recently where, the writers were like, oh, we want you to have like a sex scene with the one girl. And he was like, yeah. 
he's like, that didn't happen in anything. Right. Why, right. why would I do this? No, I'm not doing it. And the and writer said, like, because it will boost ratings. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, who cares? We have enough. We're like the top right. show on Netflix. Like, right. what do we have to worry about? Like if we do source material, like, I mean, cause I think he originally had signed on for like 10 seasons. Cause he, he was like, I love this idea so much. And yeah. then he left after two or well, yeah. three because yeah. the third season will have him in it. And then the fourth season will Liam. have Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I will be very that, interested to see that the depressing? I mean, that's, yeah. that's such a perfect example because Mark, what I think is so infuriating as a fan. So I'm a Witcher fan. I love the source material. I love yeah. the show because even though it departed from some of the source material, I felt like they got the bulk of what was being written, what had been right. written, the stories yeah. that have been written. And most fans, most fans will be right. pretty lenient when it comes to, okay, hey, yeah, stick to the 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 root of the the story the word but it's a good show so whatever good, right exactly yeah. and they do a good job of being representative so there's a difference when you're in a writer's room of here's the source material i mean the lord of the rings is a perfect example i mean peter jackson right. went word for word with some things and then had some generous interpretation in other things <laughs> right but most of us accepted it because for the most part his interpretation of and perception of the characters and the story was true to right. the concept, to the word, the whole thing. Right. And that's what was true for me, really in the first season of The Witcher, absolutely, pretty much in the second season. I don't know about the third season. And that's when he talks, Henry Cavill talks about really fighting with the writer's room in that third season. Yeah. And I, I don't know yet, because I haven't seen it. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that's such a perfect example of you don't have to do fan service. Right. You just have to be true to the source material in that you're representing the spirit of that yeah. source material. Yeah. Like people, like you said, fans will don't, won't really care as much if you fill in the blanks, as long as the beginning and end is at least yep. somewhat of the gist of the conversation. Like Lord of the Rings, like, yeah, would it have been cool to see like the Hobbit village completely destroyed when they get back from the? Yes. Uh, yeah. That would have been cool, but at the same time, like, yeah, I get it. That's kind of a dour ending. Like, even though right. they fix it, it's still a dour ending of being I like, know. "Well, even we though- did it, guys. The rings destroyed, but now we have to go in a Hobbit war uh, with a bunch of humans, and like that's the end of the right. movie. Like right. them yeah. saving a destroyed village. It's like, right. all right." Yay, I guess. But like, so yeah, instances like that, it makes sense. And, and you know, um, that was a parallel for World War One and the whole bit, and we're not there. Right. So totally get it. But yeah. it is, it is a fan's joy to feel connected to that yeah. series, to that film, to the to the book, the new book that's being written, right. or whatever it is. When the fan feels connected because, oh, I recognize this. It brings me that feeling of joy I had when I played that game, when I read that book, when I watched that original series. And, you know, you look at Battlestar Galactica. I actually watched the original series. Couldn't be more different. Doesn't matter. They both were amazing. I mean, cheesy camp when I was growing up. Heavy duty drama. Unbelievably well written as an adult. Cool. I don't care. As a fan, it brought back 
me sitting down watching with my dad. I mean, okay, cool. I don't care. And that's all you're looking for as a fan. And, and that's my job. My job is to make sure that the IPs, the IP owners understand that that's all a fan wants. And one of the the biggest changes in fandom from in digital fandom, which really kind of came into its own with X-Files and Buffy is that, Every fan nowadays wants to have that behind the scenes material. Can't wait to right. hear about what the writer is thinking, what James Gunn is thinking. That nobody could have cared less prior, really, except for hardcore fans and DVD fans. Now that's a whole nother world that you can be providing content to them, providing information, being transparent, and they'll laugh it up. They love oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if there's problems on set, okay, maybe not. Yeah. But but the process, the 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 deep why of why you're involved yeah. in what you're doing and why you love it. And again, that's why I, I pretty much only work on franchises and sci-fi geek. It's hard to have those conversations about a family film. You know, that's right. There's not usually a deep why. Whereas sci-fi geek fantasy, there's yeah. always there's, there's always lore behind, yeah, there's lore behind everything yeah. of yeah. why this is a thing. And yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. Is there is there a process that you go through like when you're trying to take on like a new client like do you do you try to like gauge where they're at like yeah uh, like do yeah. you want to make sure like do you try to obviously like try to like stick with people that are obviously passionate about like what they're doing like yeah. if someone is to come on as a new client like what's that kind of process like in just like getting reaching out and trying to find a new client Usually I go after properties that I love that I've currently been reading or that I was watching or that I'm, I had heard was on deck that had been bought. Um, But if a client comes to me um, in the past two years, I've had two, three clients come to me that were recommendations. One of them I turned down, not because they weren't passionate or great and really into it, but it was an entire uh, group of content that really is, Outside my experience, one, it was Westerns, which is super cool, but not my, not my expertise. I love Westerns. I watched them when I was a kid, but that is not where my fandom and digital production experience is. And then the other ones I said yes to were because one of them, I went and I read the books and I liked the books and I thought the books were great. And so I said, yes. And then the other one was because they had done all the legwork of reaching out to their fandom. So they had done that work of spending time, understood what their fandom already meant. No, it's a small fandom. It's maybe, maybe a hundred thousand most. Um, but they had really done the work with these people of, with this particular group of sending really, really interesting content to them and right. character cards that look like D and D cards. I mean, really cool stuff. That's why I went with them because they understood and they got it. So it could be a whole slew of reasons, but usually it falls between, I like your material. I've already been into your material. It brings me joy or, Ooh, you really get it. <laughs> That's right. cool. I can, right. I don't have to explain to you why this is important. Right. Yeah. You get the method, like mythology behind like why right. doing unique things is actually like a good idea <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and not just doing the kind why of the same spending thing time with fans is, is smart. Right, yeah, like why people that give you money will give you more money <laughs> if you just give them the opportunity. Forever. Right. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a, I do a fandom series of panels at 
uh, San Diego Comic-Con and WonderCon and LA Comic-Con. And my current one that I'm doing is on collectibles, on collectible geek fandom. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in this series that I've been doing is that it doesn't matter what the product is. It doesn't matter what the story is. What matters is if you are spending time and have that fan understand that you get them and hear them. Everything else is important. It is, it's not, I'm not in any manner, shape or form denigrating the story because that would be my second priority. But if you're spending that time, they'll spend the money and then they'll spend time back with you, which equals money. And I hate to say it, but we're in a product driven society. So a lot of times I have to boil it down to that equation. I would prefer to be boiling it down to if you're telling a great story, you've got that fan hooked for life. But I've tried that and that does not sell a lot of my IP owners. What I need to sell them on is the sell is if you have a fan that you are showing, you can trust us. We're going to be transparent with you and we've got a really great story to tell and we're going to dedicate time to you. Then you've got them for life. Yeah, I mean, because like, you, you've mentioned like being in like a fan of Star Wars like early on, and uh, like for me, like Lord of the Rings, like I've spent a lot of not a lot of money, but like I've gone out and bought like books on like digital storyboards and yeah, um, yeah exactly like location information and like all that like that kind right? of general stuff, and like yeah. I saw all three Hobbit movies in the theater, and yeah, there was issues there of just three right. movies for a very right. short book, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Uh, but like I paid to see all three of them. Like I know they uh, they just sold the rights for like four hundred million dollars to yeah. have. And as much as nervous as I am about more movies being produced that are in the same right. realm, and people had issues with Rings of Power. But again, it's the same thing where I was like, I had arguments with friends of just telling them shut up and just I'm enjoy just the show. I know. Like people were being like, oh look at Amazon had a billion dollars and look at the armor versus how Lord of the Rings did it, and it's like. Do you understand that it's two different ages? That like right. we're talking about a like uh, Numenor that hasn't been at war in thousands of years. Right, exactly. What need do they have to make right. to have armor? The best and armor in the world. It's whatever's sense. cheap and quick. Exactly. And they're a sea-based army to begin with. Which they're not going to be wearing full uh, Gondorian battle armor like in Helm's Deep. And battle armor, military armor, is a lot cheaper, even on a billion-dollar movie franchise, to source, design, and create than a fantasy, which, let's be honest, it's a fantasy world for Rings of Power. And all of it's fantasy. But when you've got military base versus fantasy and naval-based, and it's not even naval, it's sea-based, then... and. And also what Amazon was doing, look, I had problems with it, but I still ate it up. So oh, yeah, it was, it was more than enjoyable. I mean, it, you know, it was enjoyable. It was BC level popcorn enjoyable. Cool. Yeah. I can go with that. You know, yeah. I watch B I watch B movies all the time because hey, it's cool. It, it is, it doesn't always need to be a level for me to stay a fan. And right, that's exactly that's the conversation I have with fans. Because I worked on Stargate when we did the web series, uh, Stargate Origins, and admittedly, it was not the best production that's ever been done. But 
the entire reason for doing it was to keep the Stargate franchise alive, prove to the studio that there was something there, which it did. And it's one of the major reasons why Amazon wanted MGM's library was Stargate. It was one of the number one reasons at the table when they're negotiating is we think Stargate franchise has legs. That, that particular web series or digital series was not great, but that kind of wasn't the point. It's what we had access to. We We couldn't do it based on the TV series. We had to do it based on the film. So it had to stay in that universe. And then we had to do something that wasn't expensive and we had to be able to do it to prove to others that this was a franchise that could pull a million fans in. And we did, we pulled in, Oh my gosh, we pulled in 1.5 million fans for it. So that, that just right there is more than half the shows on HBO max is getting on a weekly basis. So we, that's sometimes what the conversations I have to have with fandom is cool. You don't have to like it, but this is not a lot of time out of your day. Can you just enjoy it for what it is? And if you watch it and you show that you watched it, you will be furthering the cause of keeping the franchise yeah, alive. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, I've said it before and I've, I've literally told said, if you're like one of these people like F off, but like the people that will say that they're like boycotting a movie or a TV right. show coming out because right. Oh, it's not going to be what I want, or it'll be too different, or right, right. Like you said, it's I will whatever Lord of the Rings movies come out, and when season two of Rings of Power come out, I will watch it because I am highly convinced that the success of because Rings of Power still, for numbers alone, is considered a success, right? And I think that led to a studio pulling the trigger on paying four hundred million dollars for the IP rights to Lord of the Rings to to do more movies. And they had the deal on the table, but they weren't going to do it until they saw how Rings of Power. Yeah, and it's so it's like it's in, and it's that mythology. It's like yeah. you cannot like Rings of Power, but if these new movies are what we've been wanting out of right. all the Lord of the Rings things, it's right. because of Rings of Power right. that we're getting these new things. And so, yep. regardless of what they do, I will see it because, like you said, Lord of the Rings has done enough right by me that the franchise right. sticks to the source material. Exactly. And, sticks to things that are entertaining yep. and you know i will where i will give amazon a lot of credit is that uh i think thought it was funny where people were review bombing the, the second rings of power came out people were like review bombing it on yep. amazon prime to tank yep. it uh, on purpose so amazon saw that and went all right you can't leave a review anymore and just yep. took away the future for like the first week yep. until people got it out of their systems and i was like Good on you for just giving them a giant middle finger and being like, if you're going to act like children, we'll treat you like children. And and I normally would never agree with that because I would never want to take a voice away, but I thought it was brilliant. Because it it is absolutely Amazon's right not to say I'm taking my football and going home, which is what a bunch of my friends said, which is, oh, they're just, I love this. They're just being childish because they didn't like the reviews. no. They know because right, they can yeah. see the algorithm. They can see who's actually doing this. They can see what's yeah. going on. And when you have duplicative, automatic, automated reviews. That are one know, star with no actual text. And and half of them are anonymous or no, you know, user, two, five, six, seven, whatever. Then yeah. you know, and they know, because if there's one thing that they know, it is their back end database. Then oh, yeah. they know that this is 
you guys being childish about it. And I got a lot of, you know, humps and harumphs and things like that. And I just said, look, you don't have to like it. Right. (laughs) Say it once. Let your circle of friends know. Move on. And yeah, don't watch it. Yeah. Don't watch it. The fact that you're hung up on this and you need to beat it to death and frankly tank it for everybody else speaks more of you than it does of Amazon and the show. And that, that is a conversation I have to have a lot, unfortunately in this day and age right now, right. These fandoms where I, I totally feel like the mom, you know, where I'm sitting there going, okay, do we have to have the conversation about courtesy respect? Like why we don't yell at people. Yeah. I mean, Oh my God. And, and these are grown people, but, but it's why I love what I do. The other side of that coin is the passion that people have. And I will take that any day over the admin stupid things that I have to do on both sides of that fence. You know, if I have to have one more conversation about why digital fandom is worth it and we're spending the money, you know, half the time I just throw up my hands and go, Oh, fine. I'm out. But I don't because it's worth it. And it's, it is one of the most, I feel really lucky that it's one of the most exciting times. We're kind of in a wild west situation where COVID interrupted what the technology was forcing the studios to face. And it gave them a false sense of security coming out of COVID because they all made a lot of money. And they all thought, oh, we got it. We know what this equation is. We know what we're doing. Well, of course you didn't know what you were doing. You just lucked out that everybody was home and they were going to crazy and subscribe to 10 different channels. They're not going to do that anymore. So I think what we're doing right now, what we're seeing right now is so cool because there's this rise of all these independent content creators and all these independent production companies that are saying, Hey, we're over here. If you want to do something, you don't have to go to Amazon, Netflix, Disney, whomever. We can do something. And you might not get that automatic billion, but you'll get the right fandom. You'll get the right dedication. You'll get that right right audience. I mean, I'm working with a production company in Spain who's basically spending $5 billion a year on new productions. Because they said, we want to work with everybody from around the world and we're looking for really cool IP and franchises and we want to develop because we know there's a global audience and we don't want to just be focused in Spain. <laughs> and then one of the guys goes, kind of in an aside, kind of like American companies only think U.S. are the audience. And I said, I'm in. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I want to work with as many people that realize there's a global audience. I mean, one of the things that I've gotten to do in the past 20 years is work with international fandoms. Oh my gosh, are they fun? Oh yeah. So, are there's a, a lot. Yeah. Some of my favorite movies that I get into recently are like these like South Korean, like, yeah, like movies. I like Netflix drops. And like there was, yeah. I mean, again, there's some that I'll watch, like they're, they're hokey and they can do stuff, but like Netflix has a movie based on the three kingdoms. Um, and I love that period in like Japanese history. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's like hokey and they're like doing crazy, like, right. you know, they're like battling in the air and stuff. And it's like, right. it's hokey, but, it's but like, mess. but like, but those movies are a fandom in itself. And I personally will watch all of them because I just find them incredibly entertaining. Oh, we do too. Uh, we watch them. And of course now Netflix just only feeds me, you know, Monkey King movies and all of these other movies. And I don't care. Right. I watch them over and over and over again because it's, <laughs> 
so much fun. And sometimes they are so silly. One of our, okay, so this is a tangent. One of our favorite things to do is watch Japanese game shows because they are the weirdest. They things are I've so hokey. My life, and but they're fun, and it's yeah, like, it's entertaining. It's it's, it's entertaining. I think, yeah, we have like a weird yeah, and I have friends like and that will again a lot of my friends are nerdy, so they're more like they understand that there's a other world out there. Yeah, exactly. But like we've talked, you know, like we've talked and like I know people that like just think of like like I'll mention that I'm like yeah, like did you check out like they'll like love history and I'm like, Oh, just check out the uh Three Kings movie that yeah. uh, was like a South Korean for, you know, studio did. Or like, oh I'm like and they'll be like, What are you talking about? I'm like, like there's other things out there. Like you just, they're like, well, how do you watch it? I'm like, just read it. Like it's Netflix subtitles. Just read subtitles. Read. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, a whole thing. That's the advantage of like being an anime fan is you get right. really good at learning oh, yeah. the skill of reading subtitles. So it doesn't great. affect me at all anymore. That's a great uh, but I have an argument with friends who are like, I just can't do that. I'm like, just, I don't know. Figure it out. Like right. you could try it. Like it's just read. It, it's not hard. Like you just you watch the movie and your peripheral vision just reads the words and you piece yeah, it together. I, I don't really like know. I mean, I was, I was a film and TV major, so you get kind of used to it early, but also right. I, married, I married a history teacher. So a lot of what we watch on Netflix, we were just laughing because my Netflix is radically different from his suggestion. Oh yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It is hilarious. His Mine and my parents. All, are just, all, yeah. all, um, his are all foreign military world war two yeah. and then you know mine are all over the place it's right like, that's my dad he was a history teacher for like 10 years yeah uh, and so whenever i go home to visit and use like my dad's netflix or whatever because i'll forget that he's obviously defaulted to like log in and yeah. I, all i see is like black and white world war ii movies right, uh, right so then i make fun of him for like 10 minutes yeah uh, exactly but then like but to get my dick like when i i watched like a uh philippine film on netflix that was like all about like the f a futuristic like army uh like humans that have like exoskeleton suits oh, uh, cool. and they're like they're trying to like there's like this weird plant that's like taken over like humanity is all in like these little bubbles oh cool. uh, in korea or in japan and they like this all of a sudden this alien plant like hit the earth one day it just sprouted and is like yeah. it's not it's not sentient it just defends itself but it's like slowly sucking it's it, whenever rain hits it it just starts growing and destroying and they're like okay. oh if we don't kill this main part it yeah. will literally kill like five million people and then just kill everything oh so they God. go on like this journey to like the yeah. doom city to fix it and i called my dad i've ever gotten to watching and i was like you have to watch this it is <laughs> so good uh and he'll watch that it. stuff and that's um, awesome like my dad was the one who told me about the expanse. Out. He just called me up one day and he was like, "Do you ever hear the show called The Expanse?" And I was like, "No." I'm like, what is it on? And he's like, "Amazon Prime." I'm like, oh, that's probably why I don't like watch a whole lot of Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, "You, you got to do it. You just, it's so yeah. good. It's right up your alley. You love this kind of stuff." And right. I watched it and fell in love with it, and it's fantastic. Yep. Uh, I love it. You got to love parents that are geeks. My dad and I, we exchange texts all the time. Did you see? Did you see? So. Oh yeah, he he's got like he later on in like I and I know like where to like direct him towards like right. if it's space kind of thing, but like space with like drama and action, I yeah. can get him to watch it. Or if it's like a Korean film or a Philippine yeah. film that has like yeah. a historical, you know, it's on the Earth or it's space right. or uh, you know, like like the Three Kings movie. Like I know where to direct him if it's got yeah. some historical value to it. 
But yeah. if it's like if I try to call him off and be like, "Yeah, you should watch this movie. It's based on this one cartoon," he'll be like, "No, nah, I'm, you know." No, I know. I can't get my I, dad. I'm good. He can't. My dad can't quite get into fantasy. Like I can. Yeah. That's why I love it. But right. he hasn't made the sci-fi to fantasy yeah. bridge over. So, which, which is again one reason I love doing the show is because there's just so many, there's so many things that I could talk about. I know. For hours and hours and hours. Forever and uh, hour. After three years doing this show, I'm I'm sure one day I'll total up like how much time I've actually spent talking. Yep. That was recorded and be like, dear lord. Uh, <laughs> this stuff. is probably why the only critique I get about my son at school is. Well, he talks a lot. He's he really he helps out and like he always volunteers to help out and put stuff away. But getting him to not talk is sometimes yeah. a struggle. And I'm like, yep. Well, yep. considering I know what his dad does, yeah. Uh, good luck. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, good luck. But I'm like, well, I'll take it because he's got it's the not vocab. Our jobs. Yeah, yeah, you know, look, I, yeah, his, I got his vocab the is like ten years old and up. Like, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I, like he saw it in a video, but for him to understand the process, like we were, I took him to like a water park yesterday, weird tangent, and he just starts screaming, not like screaming, but like shouting photosynthesis. And it took me like 30 seconds for me to go, what? And he was like, photosynthesis. I was like, where did you hear that? And he's like, oh, from a video. And he was like, I was like, what do you think it is? And he's like, I don't know, like an uh, outside thing, like plants. And I'm like, well, you're a half right. Yeah. And then, like, I explained it to him, and he was Why like, oh, now? okay. Why at the water park? See, that's the part that's I awesome. don't know. I don't, yeah. I have this vision of him going down on a tube going, photosynthesis. Yeah, he, we were on a play date with a friend of his from 4K, because I tried to, like, you know, be the proactive parent and, like, reach out to these people and be like, look, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I talk to people all the time, so this right. isn't weird for me. Right. Our sons play together at school. Let's just keep it going, yeah. even though they won't be in school together anymore. Right. And so I was just on a play date and him and his friend are playing and I just hear him shouting photosynthesis. And after like 30 seconds a minute, yeah. my brain went, that's not a thing you taught him. Ask a question. That is the best. Because there's, no, some, there's something behind this. And I was like, and if he does understand it, there's a moment there where you can explain to him what it actually is. That's just awesome. But I was like, the fact that he says the word, I'm like, you're five. Let's just, a let's pretend you're that. still five. Yeah, and I know. Like, <laughs> Let me enjoy the fact that you're five and like, instead of photosynthesis. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, like I said, so I, I already knew, like, I think we even, I didn't say why recording, but I said it before we started recording that I would try to keep it under an hour and we're already at an hour and 15, which I knew would happen from the 25 minutes before I hit the record button that I went, I should probably hit the record button. Otherwise I have a feeling we're not going to do it. Yep. And then like an hour in, we're going to be like, we just talked for an hour and nothing yep. got recorded, which is also fine. Uh, yeah, but, it can still be fun. Right, exactly. It can still be entertaining. So um, I want to make sure before we like we wrap up, because I, I will I'll give you some fun questions to, to wrap up with. But cool. um, before we get to the like the end end part, I want to make sure because we talked about 40. Yeah, there's a couple uh, like consulting projects that you're doing right now that we wanted to make sure that we like specifically mentioned like names and where we can find yeah. stuff and um, like where people can purchase things and, you know, like that kind of, that kind oh, of spiel. So before yeah. we go over the, the, the few random questions that I'll give you, and then we'll wrap up after that. Um, what are like the big projects and like events that you're going to like be at that people can like go to and research and like purchase things and 
make sure that we get everyone an opportunity to find these specific fandoms and potentially get into them, which is the whole point. Thanks. I would love it. Um, so one in particular is a new sci-fi fantasy author that I'm working with, S.G. Blaze, and her brand new, or not brand new series, she's got three books, but she's got a book coming out the end of the year, and it's called The Last Luminian, L-U-M-E-N-I-A-N, and you can find her at uh, sgblaze.com. And it's, it is a really fun, crazy fantasy, but it's got a mix of military sci-fi and drama and a little bit of romance in it. So it's a really, she's got a really good series going on. So that I'm actually working on to develop for a series as well. And then the um, other thing is that I'm going to be at, well, I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con. So if anybody wants to come see us, we'll have SG, we'll have a booth called um, The Last Lubinian. She'll be in the small press area. But I've also got a panel on fandom geek collectibles at San Diego Comic-Con. So come on over if you're going to be there. And at Dragon Con in particular, which is Labor Day weekend in Atlanta, if you're going to be there, I am shooting a behind-the-scenes um, documentary fan experience with two actors from Stargate Atlantis, and we're looking for cosplayers. So I would have them email me. I wish I had a direct email for that, but I don't. So my email is cleoconsulting at gmail.com. All right, perfect. And um, is there like a like main website at all uh, or anything that we need to make sure that we put on there? Or I don't have a website myself. I don't carry one. Um, but you can always find me on Twitter at Jenny Steven at uh, Instagram at JS Steven or on TikTok at Geek with Gray Hair. I like that. TikTok is the one thing I keep getting told to make a TikTok with the various different things that I do. And I'm like, I, I know, like, I don't get it, but maybe I don't. I love it, but I don't create content on it. I, I right. do a lot of business on TikTok where I get a lot of fans who reach out to me and I just do DMs on TikTok. I follow an enormous amount of people who right. I then can talk to as influencers and cosplayers who are connected with the IPs that I'm working on. So right. I work on TikTok a lot. I don't create any content. So. I, I, yeah, I, maybe, yeah, eventually I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> which, as anyone on the show knows, we, we've done a few shows with cosplayers uh, before, and you guys would also know that me and Sam both also cosplay, so obviously like, right. we're going you would to be love like, it. I mean, very interested I think in different things. You would have a blast on TikTok, because all you would have to do, you could just do any number of the small questions you do on your podcast right. or you can just do it with you and Sam cosplaying. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we, have, I have some fun ones. I mean, I, again, like not as heavy into it as I used to be still some, I want to do in the future, but I mainly just do like red hood. And, uh, cause I love uh -huh. red hood is my, I'm not a huge Batman guy, but I love red hood, Batman That's beyond. Awesome. Um, and I, I just, can see finished red a, hood. I can it's, see it's, that. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, and then I just finished Revan, who's my favorite character in star Wars. Oh, nice. Um, so I love I love Star Wars, but I, I lean very heavy Sith. Uh, very heavy, very heavy Sith side. Uh, I just think it's cooler and the Force powers are cooler. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But Revan's my all-time favorite, which, because uh, Knights of the Republic is, like, probably my favorite game growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, we interviewed, uh, we've interviewed Neil Ross on the show before, who oh, nice. did, some, did some voiceover work with yeah. uh, Knights of the Republic. Actually, well, I'll just, I'll just spoil it here because we just confirmed it. Um, we, I literally just confirmed. I don't know when it'll happen, but we did confirm Neil Ross is going to come back on the show again. 
Um, he oh, wants to share sweet. some more. He wants to share some more stories um, and everything like that. And we actually, well, I, I this one I won't up, tease. But. I got to go look up your Neil Ross interview because that's that's amazing. It was yeah, it was fascinating. Um, we went over like, I mean, literally a voice of the '80s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he was talking about like his, cause he wrote a book. So he wanted, he was uh, talking about like the book that he wrote. Right. Okay. Um, and so he was talking about like his work when he did the Academy Awards. And then he right. was talking about being Green Goblin and yeah. being in Transformers and like the early yeah. Hasbro days and what it's like to now. And then like, uh, I asked him about some video games and he was like, his list of video games that he's worked on is so massive. It's he's so like, honestly, I just, I get the script, I record it. And then yeah. they like, I, they send it off. Um, but I was like, you might not remember it, but you did He's work so on Knights of the Republic, and oh. uh, so that to me uh, was like that's probably one of the one of the favorite ones that we I was able to do. Um, that's cool. But yeah, so for people listening, Neil Ross will come on the show again, and we're gonna dive more into the voiceover work on his show uh, and kind of what it was like working on the early. Uh, we're gonna go over some more stories on the early Hasbro days. Um, and I might as well we'll tease it now. I did just confirm a big voice actor from Funimation, but I'm not saying anything more because dates have not been confirmed yet. Nice. Uh, but we'll we'll tease some stuff on there. Um, so obviously, um, you I had you send me all the links. So I can make sure I put everything in show descriptions and right. uh, and things nice. like that as as they come up. And um, if you are if you're listening, you're going to DragonCon. Make sure you go to like these booths and things like that. Like we've talked about it numerous times before, but as great as it has and as much time and fun as i've had meeting like big people in movies and stuff like that i've had equally as much fun going to artist alley and uh, i mean now it's it's different for us now because now when we go to a lot of cons in the midwest we know one or two of the people in artist alley and we're making more of like a push to we eventually we want to get to a con where we can pull up artist alley and be like i've talked to all of them that literally awesome. know everyone here yeah that would be uh, great so we're making big pushes and stuff like that but again yeah. if you're listening check out the stuff because as we've said our show is geared towards shining light on different fandoms and independent talent as much as we can because that's why we get other bigger stuff is because the smaller stuff takes off and is successful right because as much as we love dc and marvel if that's all we had right they would know it and take advantage of it right the reason why sometimes people are more careful is because they know that there's other content around that people right. can go to and absorb and well, you know, maybe small. Work like is it's happening is happening in independent publishers or smaller publishers. I mean, right. I was, I was really sorry to see Aftershock was uh, in chapter 11, but it looks like they've maybe pulled themselves out. So yeah, some of the best work is happening in an independent publisher way. Yeah. And it's um, like, I know, you know, uh, sadly he passed away, but like Jason David Frank, Mm-hmm. They're going to be releasing. I just saw like, like his movie is going to getting is getting like a big push now, and they're releasing like a toy line. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, of his uh, the Lord Dracon or yeah, uh, the white sweet. white dragon character. Oh, uh, very cool. Um, and it's not like being done by like Hasbro. It's like a still a bigger toy company, but a slightly smaller, you know, scale toy company. But it's yeah. like. Um, like I, I got big into like, like image, uh, oh, yeah. like a lot of their stuff and like Ninjok and, yep. uh, like, well, like the, that kind of genre, yeah, even, um, even boom studios, even, uh, yeah. some, of, some of images, uh, smaller imprints or vault comics. It's, if there's one thing that I would say from a comic 
fan standpoint yeah. is be really exploratory. I found a Saga lot out there. early, early, early on. I found Saga because I just was in my comic book store and I just asked my guy, hey, I need something new. I need something kind of a palate cleanser. I need something different. And he said, you know what? You got to try this. And it was the first book. And I just was, uh, that was it. I was hooked. I was in love. Yeah. And admittedly, still, it was a bigger publisher, but it wasn't something that they were pushing. It wasn't an imprint. That right, they exactly. Yeah. And I would never have found that on my own. It wasn't a cover that would have caught my eye as gorgeous as the art was. It took a recommendation. So exactly. I, I mean, I cannot recommend asking your local comic book or your friends or anybody because yeah. all those small comic book publishers, yeah. not, I mean, I'm not talking about Image and Dark Horse, but the small right. yeah. they need help. They need to be supported. Yeah, there's... Um, Sorry, that was my little soapbox for independent... No, no. I, again, that's like the big push after New Year's that we've kind of geared our show towards is still doing big interviews when we can, but we really want to drive this independent push yep. uh, as much as we can. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on it now, uh, but there's like a there's like a speedster comic run, and I, I don't know why I'm blanking on it now, of course, when I try to think of it. Uh, but it's not a well-known studio, and I found it by complete accident. Oh, okay, I don't um, know. I think it's called. I think I know the hero's name. Uh, it's, it's it's called Excel. Oh, cool. the name of the comic. Yeah, Le uh, League of Comics is okay. Is the company name? Uh, no, Catalyst Prime. I'm sorry, Catalyst Prime. Okay. Um, and I had never heard of Catalyst Prime, and I have a lot of friends no, that are big in comics, either. and none okay. of them were like they were like they were like no, I've never heard of Catalyst Prime. Okay. Found it randomly. Yeah. Um, I was literally like, like just, I was trying to buy another comic off a website and it like, was like, you might like this. And I was like, what? Oh. And I bought it and it's so good. Yeah. So yeah. it's called Excel, A-C-C-E-L-L. -L. Okay. Um, and it's about, it's about a speedster who gets his power. He, he, like a meteorite lands from space. He shoves it under his bed and it absorbs into his body <laughs> while he's sleeping. Okay. Gives him these speed powers. And a lot of people are like, oh, speedster powers. The reason why I like it is because he can only use his power for like, he gets it for like a minute or two at most. Okay. He's invincible while he's using his speed, but okay. every injury he accumulates in that minute hits him as soon as it wears off. Oh, so he'll nice. recover. He'll still recover fairly quickly. Right. But there's like an image where like he got like, he like brutalized. And so yeah. he, he, he wins, he goes back home, wakes up with like, seven broken ribs, two broken legs, and both of his arms broken. And he's in the hospital for a week and a half. Yep. But I, I love it as a comic because it was a very different take on its speedster because it's limited window of opportunity to use your power and right. you're invincible when you do it. But dear Lord, is it like full pain and everything hits There's him. consequences to it. Yes, you're not, exactly. You're not yeah. invincible forever. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Catalyst Prime, I got like into a lot of their stuff after I found oh, this by accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just like, but it's the same thing. It was a really random independent publisher that I happened right. to stumble upon and was like, right. this is actually really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is why best, we, I think those are our yeah. best geek moments is those serendipity moments. I don't know yeah. if this is true for you, but at cons, we've come up with this, we call it serendipity Sundays where, because I've been doing cons for 20 years now, but right. So every Sunday when my, and I was doing it with my husband when we were younger, but when we had kids, when our kids were younger, what we would do is every Sunday at the con, we would just, I wouldn't do work. Like I would always tell people I can't work oh, on yeah. Sunday. And we would run up and down the aisles and we would just stop at anything that caught our eye. 
And okay, the yeah. number of cool artists and cool publishers that we found because we just run up and down the aisles like crazy people or stroll if we're tired from probably 12 till four on Sundays. And each one of us would get a certain amount of money to spend on that Sunday. And it could be anything. It could be clothing, jewelry, collectibles, comic books, books, anything. Yeah. Funkos, I didn't care. But we've bought Funkos for characters we've never heard of because it caught our eye. And so oh, the yeah. one rule is it can't be something that's mainstream. Okay. I, and I like we, that. We have so much fun. We have met, I've, like I said, I've moved. So I don't think you can see in the corner or not, but uh, I've got maybe. I've got about 16 tubes in the corner of art that we bought just from Serendipity Sundays. And I'm hoping I can get most of it up on the walls because yeah. we found- I, I have a lot of artwork people. like that. Like, uh, you, can, you can only see that one. So that's G Gundam, which is like one of my favorite anime. Yeah. But very rare to find someone who hand paints anything from g gundam no it's a very obscure anime um but i do the same thing in terms of when i go to a con and spend money it it has to be it can be artwork from like stuff that i like but it has to be art that i've never seen at any other convention like, right because right. i'll be able to tell like if it's like okay this is like more of a mass producing that yeah, the person just has exactly, exactly. Or, like, like it's not i don't have it hanged up or hanged up yet probably when i get a house but there's a artist who travels around to midwest conventions who uh hand paints star wars characters in samurai armor like from a, a samurai culture nice. aspect. and he paints it on like rice paper like a rice oh, paper kind of back cool. so it's really expensive like it's it's obviously yeah. more pricey because it it's him forever i'm sure yeah it's very like intricate involved work so the one i have is like darth vader um with samurai armor with his you ghost gotta send me the name of ghost. this guy because i will go check i it will out. yeah because i've seen him at he, get he's very heavy in midwest cons and okay I've had a few friends. Uh, I know I have a, like I have the artwork and I, I know his name's okay. on it, so I can cool, find it. Cool. Um, but yeah, like it's it's fascinating stuff. And so I, same thing where I have to it has to be unique and different, right. and right. it can be a thing that I'm passionate about. But if I've never seen it before, like I have artwork from like an anime called Zoids. I've been to dozens and dozens of convention. No one's yeah. ever painted this thing before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I have that same kind of methodology where it has to be something unique and different uh, that well, I've never seen we, before. And that's how we find, I mean, it's just being curious. That's how, well, that's how I literally have gotten my career. But also, it's how I found really cool people to talk to is just being curious and asking people different questions. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, it is the cutest. Oh, yeah. No, I'll show everyone. Cameron has spent the last 10 minutes making me this picture, and he taped it together. Nice. So, or has it together. So he's asking me to read it. Uh, so what, what does it say, bud? Cool. I'll, I'll cut all this out. I don't what does care. it say? It's, I see Dad and Cameron. I tried, I, I tried to spell I, I tried to spell I love you. Oh, I love you? I'll show you how to write it. Yeah, let me finish up. We'll practice your scooter and then... I and L. Yeah, I space L-O-V-E space Y-O-U. Oh! I spelled something random. You're close, though. You got a lot of it right. I see, you got your letters right, though. All those letters are correct. Like, you wrote all the letters right. H-A... That's all right. You wrote it good. Great job. Okay, that was way too cute. Yeah. <laughs> it... Oh, right. It's a book. I will keep it on my desk. Yeah, you can see it every day. 
I can see it every day. That's right. I will. I will. I'll find a good space behind my monitor. You have to keep it open, Dad, because... Yeah, it's it's important. Everyone knows I have a lot of stuff around here. I have, you know, side tag. Well, yeah, so many things. Everyone knows to listen to the show. He's literally the default mascot of the show. I love it. I tell everyone, like, whenever any guest we have, I'm like, hey, he's here. He's going to talk. Uh, I encourage it because I want him to feel involved in things and I want him to ask you know, me questions about what I'm doing and like, I why mean, are you doing on. this? And who is this person? What do they yeah. do? And like, what do you mean? Like they're in this and they're in that. And like, I want him to like ask those questions because like, that's yeah. how he's going to find different things to enjoy. Have fun describing what I do. Good luck. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be like, I don't, what? Like just <laughs> she think of just everything so dad likes and just, <laughs> works with it she gets paid to do that right yeah um so to to wrap up uh, a couple questions i want i want to ask you because you're like you are not only involved in these things but like a fan of these things yeah um Uh so what what's what's like number like number one fandom seriously that's like asking a child yeah Um, I, i can go like top five if it helps Top but I'm going to helps a lot, but um, to torture, torture you. I want number one and two in order though. Uh, I have to say star Wars is number one. Um, okay. not, not because I'm trying to be in with it or anything, but I was a right. kid dad in 1977. Right. So, you know, going six times in the Cinerama dome. So right. it's just, that's it. Number two would have to be, I, it's got to be Stargate because I loved it and I got to work on it. So right. the, the beauty for me was I got to work on Stargate for 20 years. So that was pretty cool. And I was already a fan. So that was, that has to be number two. Yeah, it's, number it's three. three. Okay. So these are kind of tied. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It has to be. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm gonna put Buffy Marvel DC. I have okay. to say Marvel DC because yeah, I've, it's, got, I've got like yeah. top five within each of them, but yeah. that would be that would be my order. For, okay. But there's new ones that are pushing that envelope. Yeah, it's, I am not a Star Trek, I am a fan, but I am not a fandom. So my friend has one of my best friends is diehard Star Trek and has started to get me into it. The irony is that is the very first sci-fi show I ever watched in my life with my dad in, in 1972. Hmm. Yeah, so the original is good. You know, I'm a next generation guy myself, but because uh, John Luke Picard can do no wrong. I, uh, no, that I will agree with. I will absolutely yeah. agree. But I love DS9. So, you know, yeah. again, it's that type. You can tell right. DS9 is a type of fan, right? It's oh and yeah, I love strange new worlds. So that's what the that's the interesting thing about. It. And again, that's one of those things. Star Trek is itself a fandom, but then each show of Star Trek has its own little fandom with yep. it. Because uh, yep. Voyager was like this diff- like travel one, and right, exactly. Uh, each it's it's very different. Like, yep. but to your point, like I, that's why we, I always encourage people to try something new because I am now a huge Doctor Who fan. But for oh. years and years and years, oh, I, I had I had oh. adamantly refused to watch Doctor Who for no other reason that I just didn't feel like it. 
You were just going to be stubborn about it. I was just being stubborn about it. I just didn't feel like it until my uh, one of my best friends, who ironically is also named Mark, uh, <laughs> we were in college and he bribed me with free pizza and beer if I just came to his apartment and watched oh, a, a specific episode of Doctor Who. Which one? Which episode was it? Season, okay, not season one. I, the seasons is still a confusing thing for me because yeah, I, I know. know it existed like way earlier right. in like the 70s and the 80s. Right. Uh, and 60s maybe. Um, but it's the, the first new doctor when it rebooted. Christopher uh, Eccleston. So yeah. season 10. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I have the, Doctor the, Who in there now. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. The, the Weeping Angels one. Doctor Who. That Weeping Angels one. The, okay. the Don't Blink, I yep. think, is the title. Yep. Yeah. So that's the one he showed me because he was like, that's oh, this is it. like the way to hook that someone. That is so in. good. So we watched that. And he, he always loves bringing it up because he'll, he he remembers specifically, he played the episode, like looked at me and went, well, and I went, so go back to the first episode in the season. Let's just like, <laughs> and like since then I've been, I you know, I, I, got, I haven't caught up in a little while, but like I instantly got hooked after that and was like, this is. Yep. And then David Tennant and Matt Smith and like just how good all that stuff was. was. So good. And then it turned me on to like other stuff that like David and then because I liked David Tennant so much, I was like, "What else have you done?" Yeah. And then when they when he said when they said he was going to be the villain in uh, Jessica. Oh, uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, Yeah. Jessica Jones. I was like, I wasn't going to watch this, but I am now because of him. I thought he was one. I I mean, Um, I loved her in that, but. I mean, he, yeah, was he was definitely great, like. He was great. Yeah, it was, it was so. Did good. you watch Good Omens? Because that. Not yet. Okay, you gotta watch it. But before you watch it, watch the web series, the digital series with he and um, not Michael Shannon. I'm blanking. Michael, who plays his foil. <gasps> oh. Um... Oh my God! Not Michael Shannon, because I'm just stuck on Zod. So that's why I'm thinking Michael's. Oh Shannon. right, right. But his, yeah, his okay. oil and good omens, they have an entire okay. digital series that they started during COVID that they, it's, it is a fake reality of okay. them trying to get work and just kind of snipping at each other. It is hilarious. So you got to watch that first okay. and then watch and good then omens. Watch, and then watch good omens. Okay. Because yeah, good omens no, is going to have a, another season. So. Okay. All right. Okay. I can, I can add that to my list and yeah. then uh, here I'll, before I ask you one last question, I'll give you another random recommendation because I just know okay. there's a lot of, lot of um, based on the Ninjak series, there's a, a movie that Jason David Frank starred in. Okay. Um, a Based on the all them, the Ninjak and the Masters of the Universe, I think. Okay. Uh, is the title. And it's literally a movie centered around the Ninjak comic run where they all team up together. It's a Ninjak, Man of War. Um, oh there's, like, there's like five or six heroes that... Um, image did like with the ninja kind of universe okay cool um which are also like they're individually they're all great comics i've read like right. half of the people involved and they're really good but jason david frank started a movie based on this universe oh i love it and it's like okay. an hour and a half independently produced independently made okay. never 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 even made it to like a, a cheap streaming service or anything it's like oh. a hidden gem you can find on the internet like there's a web okay. there's like websites that were still that are still have it on there but it's okay. a great movie, and it's just it's fully independently made, and it's all he it. stars in it because he loved. Um, the reason why you know like uh, the Bloodsport movie that they did with Vin Diesel. Yep. Because this movie caught on in the independent circuit, that's why yeah. the Bloodsport movie was made with Vin Diesel, uh, and Jason David Frank plays Bloodsport in their version of it because oh, this version cool. like was vastly successful from an independent standpoint because they oh, they, they, they didn't spend a lot of money on it. 
Right, and right. It, it made way more than what they cost because it caught on with like this the independent crowd sure. that the studio was like, oh, Bloodsport, yeah. And of course, it did terrible because it right. they just did they did they nothing like the comics. No, just, no, it was awful. And, and, and it's it and it's such a niche thing. You have to start with a simpler concept. Like right. Ninjak would have made more sense because he's a ninja, but they yeah. went with Bloodsport, who's like this super subhuman. And it's one of those things right. where it was like you had the right mentality. You just pick the wrong one to go with right exactly uh, from an initial standpoint totally agree. Um, okay that's cool i gotta check that out i didn't know that yeah it's a really good one yeah i again cool. random knowledge of just like things that i've stumbled upon and just talking to people and you well just obviously i love that things. so um, yeah I, I had a feeling based on comics and what we talked about that yeah. like you would really yeah. enjoy this movie it's like an hour and a half it's just it's a it's a solid movie i really enjoy cool. it i love it um so last fun question that i'll give you is um okay um because like obviously like, you're a fan of so many things so i'm gonna say you can't pick star wars oh. uh if like the you know like if we're saying the multiverse unit you know theory and different dimension theory right. is actually a legitimate thing so that all of these in theory are real at some point yeah. in a very different dimension you have to like pick one to go like live into or like be born into essentially you can oh. you kind of you can kind of keep the memories that you have, but you got to okay. pick one that you're going to go into, but it can't be Star Wars. Can't be Star Wars. Earth 616, maybe? Or, or Buffy Universe. Okay. okay. I, would I, like go, I would go, I would go actually over Marvel... I would go to Buffy Universe. Okay. So okay. I like that. Close to new. Yeah. I thought about saying the Expanse because the Expanse would be super cool. From that w- a, yeah. From a political, a world like, but where would I be? Would I be? I far? would die so quick. I mean, I I thought the same thing. Are you watching would, that yeah. show thinking I'm screwed? There's no. Oh way yeah, I, I yeah my like I was like man, this is cool. Yeah. I would be dead already. Right. Yeah. I'm that guy that just got shot out of the airlock. Right, like, right. That's or me. The, I'm, I just the died. One that, that dies of the horrible crystal thing in the mining. I mean, yeah, that I, would be. Yeah, that'd be me. I'd be I'm like, not, yeah, it'll all be a miner. Why not? I need to make some money, and then I'll travel right. the stars. Oh, and and, okay, great. I'm just stuck in this. We'd be, yeah. We'd be oh, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. Strange new worlds. I also would. Be oh, strange. okay. Yeah, that'd be I good. Love, yeah, Star Trek would be good. I love strength. I would go to the academy. I know I'd be one of those. I'd be going to the academy. That'd be good. I would want to be on Starfleet. That's where I'd want to be. That's a good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. I I have a, I don't know. My mine are going to be like different. Okay, uh, what would you? I'll, I'll give a similar answer. So I would I would love to be in like the Doctor Who universe, but like if yeah. I could like get involved with, with the Doctor in some way, yeah. maybe not being yeah. the Doctor, but like just being able to like travel and stuff like that. Yeah, but being so in that like happy with that yeah, too. but being in that weird like kind of time travel universe. Um, yeah, either that or I would love to do uh, Neo Gotham. So like Batman Beyond nice. got the future. Yeah. I would love to kind of be in that like futuristic. Okay, that's like, dark. Batman. Yeah, it is dark. And I would that's immediately really die yeah. just from so many things. That would be. Uh, I'm hoping to have a long life in right. or a legacy in whatever I go to, whatever world that I go to. Yeah, I'm just figuring it's not going to work. So I'm like, what's going to be really exciting for like. <laughs> the brief window that i'm gonna have before like something inevitably uh, right like before something inevitably happens there's like there's specific things that i think would just be really cool to like dive into like like the world where like ninja turtles is a thing would be great 
Okay, that uh, would be hilarious. That would be so much fun. And like yeah. having a city that's like run by like ninjas. I think like, that'd be oh Oh, what about Lord of the Rings? I mean, it would be yeah. That, that was going to be like my number one, but I'm like anyone that like knows me is like he's just gonna say Lord of the Rings. So like, it's <laughs> literally what he would do. He'd go Lord of the Rings, and he would go to Gondor, and like because okay. I don't, like that's what I would do. Like Gondor, Citadel Guard, yeah, yeah. Get that cool helmet with the tree on oh, it. Like yeah. that, that would be my thing. Uh, See, I would I would want the armor. I I'd be all over the armor. I would yeah. want to get the super cool breastplate with the, yeah, the Gondor had the best armor. I would be all over that. I I think if I was going to go literary, despite all of the issues with the person, um, I still love the Harry Potter universe. If okay. I could be a yeah. kid and go, I mean, I'm ignoring all of the contextual right. issues. With it. Yeah, just, yeah. It's hard. It's the universe itself. Yeah. It's the universe itself. But I think if I was going to kick ass, I'd be in the Buffy universe. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I'll I give you a book. Yeah, be a Slayer. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm dead. Right. Yeah. I'm Xander. I'm the the sidekick that can't do shit. Forget it. I I need to be a Slayer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's kind of like same thing. Like being in Blade would be cool, but unless you're Blade, like oh my god, no way. There's really nothing you're gonna get out of it. Like no, it's gonna love, suck. No, exactly. You cannot win, and forget yeah. it. No, yeah. forget it. Yeah, but book series for me. If I'm taking from a book standpoint, uh, Legends of Drizzt. Uh, oh, I, I love yeah. what uh, what he's done oh, with the Drizzt series. Think about that, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm finally I'm starting to slowly get back into it because he still is still making them. The books are still coming out. For, I know it's crazy. It's it's nuts. Uh, my my biggest claim is that he he's couldn't machine, do it. Man. Wizards of the Coast shot me down, but we tried reaching out and ended up talking to him for like a week over Facebook. Which was just so cool. Wait, and they shot you down for it? He, yeah, he said he couldn't do it because Wizards of the Coast, um, Wizards they're, of the Coast, like dictates what he can weird. do. They do. Like, he, they he, yeah, he was like, you can't. He's like, I would love to. He was like, I can tell you actually like enjoy the stuff and it'd be fun to right. talk. But Wizards of the Coast, I cannot do anything without them, without you reaching out through them and then them reaching out to me and then like I can't even like go to them and be like hey this guy reached out can i jump on a show like it has to come right. from them i can't do anything myself see that whole pr machine is just it's and wizards yeah. of the Coast, it's a big problem i know we've tried to work on events yeah and, and i was and i yeah. was coming from mgm who was looking at rights with them it didn't matter right yeah D yeah and dc shut us down too i reached out to dan jerkins who's the creator of booster gold right uh and same thing he actually responded and was like right can you send me like all the details and I'll forward it over to DC. Right. And then it was like, yeah, no, they shot you down. And it I was really, like, all right, well. too bad. I mean, look, but it never hurts to ask. Cause like you said, that's how you got started. Right. Well, even so, like I love, like, when I talk, I, I literally called my dad up and I was like, dad, the creator of Booster Gold just told me he couldn't do a show. My dad was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, like, why are you happy? I'm like, cause he responded. It's the guy. It's the it's guy the who created my part. favorite superhero of all right. time. Right. Like, well, I, will I mean, talk that's, about that. that's what's crazy about going to a con and going down artist alley and you see someone like Lee Cozy, who's this huge artist and you can just sit down yeah. and have a conversation with him. You're like, really? Okay. No. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the people that we ended up getting to know, and she's been on the show like four times now, uh, Mog Park, who did the digital storyboard nice. stuff for yep. Game of Thrones. Yep. Uh, now like good friends with her and like she jumps on show time. Like, she will literally, when she jumps on the show, will just like swear at me because yeah. we've reached we've reached that point. And like, I'll yeah. talk to friends, and they'll be like, 
yeah, I remember seeing like her name like in the credits, uh -huh. and I was like, yeah, dude, she's she's super. Like, the, I'm pretty sure she'll beat me up one day, but she's super cool. <laughs> I know she could. A lot of these people, women and men, that are at that level are to go back to what we talked about before, genuinely understand fandom right. and genuinely understand someone who wants to do something with that fandom. Exactly. They get it. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. They understand it because they meet you every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, gotta go. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta he, he's just asking about like so many things. Uh, which is why I love doing it. And actually I didn't even realize um, it was 415. Yeah, we talked for so much for so long. Um I yeah, no, this was awesome. I will we definitely should have you on again just to like go over just stories of different things and just like oh, have that be like, our, our pure like focus and be like I let's just use this stuff <laughs> just, <laughs> let's just talk we're gonna talk about just fandoms and nothing right. else we're gonna right. nerd out about it for a while oh I, and i'll do that uh, we can do deep dive on that anytime yeah exactly know. and i'll definitely reach out about that uh and i'll bring him into the frame the random hand that just came so across anyone, that, anyone that's listening or watching on uh, YouTube yeah. later. We'll see Cameron for the last uh, two minutes here as yeah. we as we wrap up the show. Uh, but again, yeah, like I said, I will I'll reach out to you in a little bit. Make sure like, I obviously like we'll let you know when it goes live and everything like that, so I can send cool. you the links and, and all that cool. kind of stuff. Obviously, like I said, at any point, if anything project comes up and you want to get the word out on it, just let oh, me know. I'll let I'm, you know. Sure. I'm more than happy to like either bring on the person, like to talk to them about their project, like the author or something like that. Like I'm more, we're more cool. than happy to interview the uh, people and be like, yeah, just come on the show, plug your book, like uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, awesome. We're more than happy to do any of that kind of stuff. Um, anything that was mentioned in terms of links, everyone, you know, we'll put it in the show description. I'll make sure we bring Jenny on again, because this is probably one of the more fun interviews that I've, I've personally been able to do oh. just from nerding out for almost two hours, <laughs> uh, just jumping all over it's the place, but getting good information. And... It, so, you no, know, <laughs> you're fine. Um, we're just getting good information. I hope you guys got a lot of it, not in terms of just like the information, but like what it's like to be involved in a lot of the behind the scenes and what it takes to get a lot of projects and people and, and various different things. Uh, if you made it this far in the show and kudos to you, if you did, um, you might as well review and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends because we are growing the show and trying to make big pushes. So anything that you do in word of mouth will help us out. Make sure you check out our uh, Patreon, Teespring, various different stuff. We're updating a lot of different stuff. So take advantage of our merch while we got it because it'll be massively changing in the next couple of months. Uh, don't forget, we do new episodes every Friday. All of our socials in the show descriptions. Find it there. Uh, new episodes of Family every Friday. You can catch me on Dad's Anime Stash every Thursday. And if you ever need any editing work, you can find me at Digital, uh, Sh Digital Shogun uh on facebook and digital shogun media gmail.com and we've got a lot of cool stuff coming a lot of big interviews like i said uh earlier in the show neil ross is going to come back on the show in the next couple of weeks from this recording and we are working on some funimation voice actors as well and making some uh cool stuff going as well and then of course we'll always have independent artists that we reach out to so we will see you guys on the next edition of the fan effect podcast and i'll have cameron sign us out See you next Friday! Well, not bad for one playthrough. You have multiple achievements left to unlock. Please follow the Fandom Effect podcast on all available platforms and unlock the next level. If that doesn't work, just turn it on and off.